Good morning. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, it is 9.02, and we are going to go ahead and uh, open up in prayer and get started this morning. Thank you all for getting up out of bed and coming to see me. I'm glad you showed up. (laughs) Father, I just thank you so much for this morning and for this opportunity to speak about your precious, wonderful Holy Spirit and what that is supposed to look like upon us for the people. And Father, I pray that as I speak these words, that you will anoint them, that you will anoint the ears of the hearers, and that, Father, we would go out of here and we would be doers of this word and not hearers only in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so now, we started off the first week talking about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and we discussed the fact that he, he is a personality, okay, and that he, is, uh, he has all the emotions that we have. He can feel joy and peace and love, so on and so forth. Right, And the, the reason that was important for us to know that is because if we think of him as just an it or a bird or wind or fire, which are all representations of him, but they are not him, then we are not likely to address him and think about him and commune with him. Okay, so it was important for us to understand, first of all, the Holy Spirit is a personality. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that was our first week. Now, last week we came in and we were, we, we were speaking about um, the Holy Spirit uh, and speaking in tongues. Why, why did people reject the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we find out that he's the one who leads us and guides us into all truth? He's the one that brings all the gifts. He, he, is, he is the power. So why were people rejecting the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Okay, and we talked about that. There was wrong teaching, being taught against the Holy Ghost. Not only wrong teaching about the Holy Ghost, but being taught against the Holy Ghost, believing that it's not even for today. And we went through all of that. Amen? And so this week, what we're talking about, I left off with this idea. Remember, I made this statement, the Holy Spirit within is for you. But the Holy Spirit upon is for others. And so today what I want to talk about is what does the Holy Spirit upon me for others look like? Amen? So, so that sounds great. The Holy Spirit upon me for others. But what does that mean? What does that look like? And so to start out, we're going to start out with our ultimate example. And that would be Jesus. Amen? Jesus would be the ultimate example. So let's first of all see what the Holy Spirit upon Jesus for others looked like. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew 3. And we're going to be reading 13 through 17. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. 
And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So the first thing that we see right here, is that the Holy Spirit, Jesus was operating as a man. And if you'll pay attention throughout the scriptures, you realize his miracle ministry didn't happen until after this point. First of all, he also had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because he had laid aside his deity and he came here as man, it, for the legal purposes of redeeming us, he had to do that, right? But also, he was the ultimate example for us as how we, how will we operate in the earth as a man? Now, notice the next chapter. You came to the end of that chapter. I want you to see the first thing that happened. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted, 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Listen, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Okay, so the very first thing we see here is once Jesus had been baptized in the Holy Ghost, immediately he's led into this temptation with the devil. And he has, he, he, what's this about? His first, his first miraculous work, if you will, under the baptism of the Holy Ghost was he was able to overcome the devil. Amen? First thing, he was able to overcome the devil. He was able to overcome pride. Remember, he said, hey, I'll give you all this if you'll come. He was over, able to overcome his flesh. And so the first thing that we see that the Holy Spirit works in us is he gives us the power to overcome our own flesh, overcome the devil. He gives us power over all the work of the enemy. Amen? That was the first thing. Now, right here, you don't even have to change chapters. I want you to drop over to 23. And there's a lot. Just go right over to verse 23. You're in Matthew 4, verse 23. Now listen. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sickness, all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases 
and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Man, you see a lot right there. But let's go over a couple of, let's go over just a couple of chapters to chapter 8. And let's read right here in verse 2. It says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Drop down to verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is laying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion, said, I will, uh, uh, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. I want you to capture this part of it. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Drop down to 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Go to verse 14. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Keep reading. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Skip over to verse 28. When he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before our time? Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down to the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Chapter 9, verse 2. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. Go over to verse 18. 
while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping, and they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all the land. And when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind man came to him, and, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. Go to verse 32. And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. Now, I just read just a couple of chapters of what happened right after right after the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Amen. Just a couple of chapters. I could go on reading story after story, but I want to go back for a moment to that very first scripture that I read to you because I want, I want you to see something here. It says, we were, we were in Matthew 3, 13. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan. No, that's not where I want to be. Matthew 4, sorry. And Jesus went about Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Listen, then his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were, were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them all. He healed them all. So right there in those scriptures, we see that once the Holy Ghost came upon Jesus, he was able to overcome his own uh, flesh, he was able to overcome the devil, and he was able to, to heal he was able to perform miracles. Amen? And I wanted you to notice something. It says, and his fame went throughout all Syria. His fame went through all. Now listen, Jesus didn't have to gather up, you know, um, get together. Okay, all of my followers, I need uh, 10 volunteers. And I need each of you to take some flyers. We're going to go and canvas the neighborhood. All right? I'm going to, uh, each of you take, you know, some flyers. Go out two by two. Because we need to get some people over here. Amazing. It seems like if you just do some miracles of God, the people show up. Amen? Amen? Okay, and you say, well, that's great, Teresa. That's awesome. That's what the Holy Spirit looks like on Jesus. But now what does he look like 
on you and me? Well, that's a fine question. Let's go to John 14. Okay, and we're going to look at verses 16 and 17. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now remember, we read that in the, uh, in the first class, and the point of that was that the very spirit that was on Jesus is just like Jesus. And that is the spirit that he gave to you. That word another means another one just like myself. Exactly like Jesus. So, so the very spirit that was in Jesus working all of this, that is the very same spirit. It looks just like Jesus. It's also in you. Amen. Amen? That's also in you. Now let's look at Luke. Go to Luke 24. And we're going to read verse uh, 49. Wait a minute. Did I tell y'all? Luke. I'm in the wrong chapter. That's how come. I'm like, what's wrong here? That's not what I wanted. <laughs> All right. Verse 49. It says, I behold, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now he's talking to the disciples there and he's talking about the coming of the Holy Ghost. And he said, I want you, now he, he, he's already told them, I prayed the Father and I'm going to send another one just like me. And he's going to be with you. And then he says, and you go tarry and you wait for him because at that point you are going to be endued with what? Power. power. You're going to be endued with power from on high. Okay? Now, power to do What? Let's look at John 14 again. You're going to hang out around here a little bit, so you might just want to, you know, make Mark and John. Let's look at John 14 and verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay, so the Holy Spirit upon you is for what? It's for you to, do, to look just like Jesus. It's supposed to look like you casting out the devil. It's supposed to look like you overcoming him in your own personal life and then being able to take that victory to everybody around you. Amen? It's supposed to look like you being the one that walks up to the person in the wheelchair and saying, you know what? Um, I, I, I lay my hand on you and you're going to come out of that chair. That's what it's supposed to look like. In other words, what it's supposed to look like, the Holy Ghost upon you, is it's supposed to look like Jesus amongst the people. It's supposed to look like Jesus amongst the people. Amen? Now, you say, well, that's all good and great. 
I, you know, I believe that. Um, but you know, Teresa, only some people are endued with this kind of special gifting. Really? Uh-oh, you've got a problem. You've got a problem with that theory. Let's go to Mark. And let's go to verse, uh, chapter 16. And let's look at verse 17. It says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will recover. Now listen, there's a lot of people who really, they don't like that. You would think this would be like super good news. Like if, if you, you would think that any Christian would read that and go, wow, that's awesome. It's super awesome. But can I tell you that religion causes people to reject that so wholeheartedly? Right. Let me give you a personal example. Now, my family, um, they're very steeped in the religion of Church of Christ, and I said that on purpose like that because it is very much a religious um, kind of thing. And so Jerry and I, you know, I have a whole list of things for Jerry not to say when he's around my family. <laughs> I give him a whole list of things. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. And certainly don't call me Pastor Teresa in front of them. Okay. So, <laughs> and so one day we go out there and it's Thanksgiving and, you know, we're having our get together. My niece, she always does a big Thanksgiving at her house and and so we show up out there and, you know, their church of Christ. And if it be thy will, Father, and, you know, only God can, you know, so on and so forth. Oh, you know. Anyways, so we're out there and we're talking. And I have no idea how we got on to it. Um, I, I actually believe I have to take the, the initial fault in it because I said something along the lines of, well, if you don't believe, I don't even remember what it was. I said, you don't have to put up with whatever, something. And, and I said, and, and, and my brother-in-law spoke up and said, well, I don't believe that. I said, well, then don't worry. If you don't believe it, you'll never receive it. So it's not for you to worry about. Well, then my husband spoke up. <laughs> So then my husband speaks up and he goes, well, you know, you're supposed to be able to lay your hands on the sick and see them recover. And my brother-in-law, he's like, you're, you're, I mean, he got mad. I'm talking blazing mad. He threatened to punch him in the face. And I mean, he was like, he, and, and, and Jerry said, well, it's in your Bible. Well, he was, he said, you need to go look at Mark 16. <laughs> okay, so my brother-in-law, now, now my sister, you know, my niece, they, at that time they were living on a piece of property. They were connected, like my, my sister lived in the back part of this property. They had their house, and then my niece had built a house on the front part, on, you know, kind of sideways. And so my, my brother-in-law, he leaves there, he's storming, he's hopping mad. He goes over there to his house, and of course... You know, uh, then there's like a whole family argument. And the problem with that is you, get, you can't get a word in edgewise because all of them are church of Christ. And you might as well, you're just flapping your lips in the wind. There ain't nobody hearing nothing. Everybody's like, oh, 
Okay, and so I'm like, okay, the Bible says we're not to argue about things. And so, all right, so Barry's offended, and I need to go over there and just, you know, tell him, I'm sorry we didn't mean to offend you, blah, blah. I'm not apologizing for the word, but I'm apologizing for, for, for offending him, at a, and partly because for my niece's sake, because here she is, she's put together this beautiful, if it had been at my house, there would have been no apology forthcoming. I'm just going to be honest. Um, but because it was at my niece's house, and this is her dad, I felt that I needed to go and try and make some sort of, you know, smooth it out a little bit there. Um, you know, they may never invite Aunt Teresa again. Not that that was my biggest worry. I just didn't want my niece to be, you know, feeling devastated for that day. So I go over there, and he's sitting on the couch, and he's got his Bible out. And he's got it open to this verse right here. <laughs> and he's sulking. And I said, you know, Barry, I said, we didn't mean to offend you. And he's like, well, you know, if I thought I could do this, I would go to every hospital and lay my hand on every person in there and get them healed. I, we can't do this. Only God can do this. Well, now, he had already read it in his Bible. There was no point in me arguing with him at that moment. He could see it with his own eyes. What he was offended at was the religious spirit, the things that he had been taught were incorrect. It is amazing to me how many people do not want the Bible to get in the way of what they believe. They have been told and, 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 and sold a bill of goods by religion, by man. And man, they don't like it when the Bible gets in the way of it. People hate to hear that they've believed something wrong. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. But it's just true. So you would think that this is a verse that everybody would receive with joy, but I'm here to tell you they don't. Sad but true. Now, nowhere in there does it say only those who are evangelists, prophets, um, teachers, and preachers. He said, those who believe these signs, who, those who believe in my name, these signs are going to follow. Amen? Okay, so let's go look now. The Holy Spirit, listen to me, the Holy Spirit upon you for others is us being Jesus in the earth. That's what it is. You are the body of Christ. The whole idea is that you go about being Jesus. It was always God's ultimate plan. Do you understand that? God's ultimate plan wasn't just to get you saved and get you into eternity. His ultimate plan was to get him into this earth through you. His ultimate plan was to come into a hurting earth and use you as his hands and feet to redeem All those around you. Amen? Amen. That was the ultimate plan. So Holy Ghost upon you looks like Jesus. Looks like Jesus. Amen? All right. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to go over there real quick. And we're going to look at verse, uh, we're going to start out with verse 12 and 13. It says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Listen, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one 
spirit. So we see here that everybody who has drank into the spirit, you have many different members and we may fulfill many different um, spots within the body of Christ, within the church. In other words, I may not carry the office of prophet, but I have the spirit who is the author of prophecy. And at any time, I could be able to move over into that gifting. I may not have uh, 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 the gifting of uh, you know, uh, healing. Let's say I don't have miracle healing, but I have the very author of miracle hearing res- healing resident in me. And at any time, I'm able to switch over and use that gifting. It, it, it's not, people get confused in this idea of, well, he's talking about, uh, you know, only certain people do certain things. Yes, in the church, in the body as a calling. But all believers are able to move in the moves of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen? So all of the giftings, we just read it. All believers, all believers will be able to lay their hands on the sick. Amen? All of us are able to defeat the enemy. All of us are able to do that. All right, now, let's look at 1 Corinthians uh, 14.1. Sometimes my notes are kind of scary, guys. <laughs> yes, people ask me sometimes, can I have a copy? I'm like, I'm not sure you're going to understand a single thing. You can have it, but <laughs> I'm not sure you'll understand, okay? Uh, it says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, we'll talk about why, especially that you may prophesy. But that word there, listen, listen. It says, desire spiritual gifts. Now, that word desire is the same word that they use when they said, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. But in this case, you are to covet the gifts. You are to covet. Now, to covet means to long for with a burning, passionate desire. To long to possess something with a burning, passionate desire. The Bible's telling us that we're not, we are supposed to long with burning, passionate desire to move in the gifts, to desire to move in the gifts. You hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't worry about the gifts. You're not to pursue the gifts, you need to pursue God. Silly, silly person. To pursue God, he said, if you love me, you keep my commands. There's nothing there that was a suggestion. It said, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. You hear a lot of stuff about prophecy. And the reason it's got a bad name is because people think about the Old Testament prophets, gloom and doom, you know. And then there are people in the earth today who also can give it a bad name. Okay, that, that, that's true. It's true. But the Bible tells you that you are to desire that gift. Why that gift in particular? It's a good question. It's a good question. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go over to verse 23 in that same chapter. It says, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Now remember, 
Remember, I was talking to y'all last week about how I was in that prayer meeting and I heard somebody howling. They were travailing in the spirit. And I was, Jerry and I were like, oh, be afraid, be very afraid. Now, I don't think I ever finished that story. So let me just finish it. I, I came into this out of the Baptist church, but I had prayed a prayer like this. I said, Lord, I don't want to be in anything just to be in it, just to look spiritual or just to, you know, if it's goofy, I don't want to be in it. But I also don't want to miss a single thing that you died to give me. And so I need you to show me if this is real. I need you to show me if this is real. And if you come into this out of another, uh, you know, denomination or, or you're not churched at all, I would, I would encourage anybody to pray that prayer. Because God went on a journey of showing me that this was real. But now let's go on and read. It says, you know, it, will they not come in if you're all speaking in tongues and there's no interpreter? They're going to be like, they're all out of their mind. But read the next verse. It says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face... He will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So the reason that you are to pursue and to to desire to prophesy is because you reveal God to the people in such an intimate way. The first time Dr. Mary Fran came here, like I said, we were new. The first time she came after we had come into this church, well, I didn't know anything about prophetic movement. I knew nothing about that. I mean, I thought it was Old Testament stuff, you know. Um, Turn or burn, you know, the doom is coming on you. I didn't know. And so I was praying. I'm like, now, God, just like I told you, I'm like, I don't don't want to get into nothing weird. I don't want to get into, you know, um, fortune telling and familiar. But I need you to show me. I need you to show me that this is real. I'm open. I want it. I wanted it to be real. But I just wasn't sure. And many people come into it like that. So Dr. Barry Frank comes in here. And that was during the time that we were, Jerry and I were going through all that financial junk back in 2008. A lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You also went through some stuff, okay? We had made a financial decision. We thought it was God. It did not work out. And everything started going haywire in our life. She comes in. She prophesies to one couple over there, and immediately after that, she comes and stands before me and Jerry. My heart is racing. I'm like, okay, okay, this is it. We're going to find out. And she stood before. We were sitting right here, right where Tracy's at. And he, she came, and she stood before, and she said, now you, talking to my husband. First, she looked at me, and she said, she said, you're a woman of much prayer, much prayer. And God's heard that. She said, I see you... Uh, She said, there's something with this. And she was doing this. She said, God sees that and he likes it, whatever that is. Well, I knew what she was talking about. And I won't bore you with all the details, but it's just a habit that I have when I'm praising and when I'm worshiping. I will, I I, I make this motion. So what she was saying when I'm by myself, I'm praising and worshiping God. And it was pleasing to God. And then she immediately turns to my husband and she says, you made a decision and you thought it was God. She said, but it wasn't. And now it's like they've, somebody has, has stored up, just, just stirred up a hornet's nest in your life. And everything, everything has been affected. It was true. 
Everything in our life was in chaos at that moment. My husband's mother was struggling with Alzheimer's. We had no cash. We were losing our house. I had lost my vehicle. They were threatening to take my license because I hadn't paid the insurance. I mean, you name it. It, it was going on. And we had just come into this this faith camp. I'm trying to learn how to speak the word and stand on it right in the midst of chaos. In the midst of complete chaos. I'm trying to figure out how to do this thing, right? And she says to him, she said, the Holy Spirit, he's going to get you through this. He wants to get you through this. Now imagine, this is years ago and I can still tell you what was said. She said, she, he, he, he really wants to get you through this. You're going to have to give him a little time. It'll take a little time. He's going to give you a little time. And it did take us some time. Now she walked away. And as she was walking away, my heart cried out and said, Oh God, she didn't say it's going to be okay. She turned around immediately, came back to my husband and said, And it will be okay. Amen. I just saw God with skin on. All of us sometimes need to hear and see God with skin on. I just saw that God knew everything that was happening in my life. Not me, not me just having to use faith in something I couldn't see in that moment. <clears throat> he gave me something tangible. He gave me him with Mary Fran's skin on. So why is prophecy such a big deal? The Bible just told you. Because you reveal the secrets of your heart and they know that God is amongst you. You know, I've never doubted that lady since. I don't doubt her at all. When she comes in here and she prophesies, some people are like, well, how do you know what's real? Oh, I know what's real. Because I've experienced it. And I watched her. I've watched her in many meetings go around and talk to people about situations that I was aware was in their life. But she doesn't know that. Except by the revealing of God. And so when people tell you, oh, you don't want to be a prophet, you're blah, blah, whatever it is that they say, they're, 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 they're speaking from the place of, you know, there's a lot of controversy that can come against people who are prophetic. There can be a lot of resistance to the prophetic gift. But the truth is the Bible tells you that you're to, you're to desire that gift. And I just told you why. There's a second reason. It's not just because people get to see God would skin on in the midst of that, but it's because it requires you to get so close to God Amen. to hear his voice, Amen. to hear his heart for the people. See, you don't get to hear God's secrets unless you're leaning in. He said that the voice is a still small whisper. It's a still small voice. Well, if Tracy whispers to me, what do I have to do? If she's going to whisper to me, I got to lean in close. I got to get in her personal space yes. to hear what she's saying. So there's another reason God wants you to desire the gift of prophecy. Because he wants you to come and lean in and get in the personal space. And commune with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. And he says you're to covet it. You're to covet it. Burning desire. Burning desire. But now I'm afraid we've got a lot of armchair Christians and they're quite happy to sit back and wait for somebody else to bring it. They're quite happy to just sit back and be like, well, that's good. I love it. Yes, I love. I, I, I love to be in the atmosphere of miracles and the gifts and everything. Oh, oh I can't wait until the prophet comes. <laughs> bring it on. I'm ready. What happened to pastor? I'm bored. He didn't do anything. Oh, you know, I came to church. 
armchair Christians. Armchair Christians waiting on somebody else to bring it. Now, we're powerless in the world and we're powerless in the church. The result of not having desire is we're powerless in the world and we're powerless in the church. And this is a travesty. It is a travesty. The world is hungry. They're starving for an encounter with God. And you and I are supposed to bring it. But they're coming into our churches and they're seeing nothing but a list of of rules of do's and don'ts. and, And they see dead religion. The Bible says that the letter without the spirit kills. But the spirit brings life. And our kids, they come in and they go, and they hear, you better blah, 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 and you do this, and you don't do that, and you don't. And, and meanwhile, people around them are sick and dying, their families are falling apart, and they look just as broke and busted and disgusted as all the world, and they, they say, there's no power in this. We owe them an encounter with God. We owe it to the church and to the world. All right, let's talk about that. <clears throat> let's look at John 10, 37 and 38. See, people will say, oh, well, you know, we're not supposed to we're not supposed to, you know, get all wrapped up in the gifts and everything. Well, 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 hold on. John 10, 37 and 38. It says, if you do not believe, uh, if you do, well, let, let's back up. Let's go to um, Well, yeah, let's do 37. It says, if I do not do, this is Jesus speaking. It says, if I do not do the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. So even Jesus is saying, look, if I can't produce the works, then don't believe me. Well, I'm afraid we're not producing the works and the world's not believing us. They're going out and they're seeking the counterfeit power. And listen, there is counterfeit power out there. You know, Paul Young Cho, I've been reading that book, The Fourth Dimension. He's referring to he's referring to the spiritual dimension, the fourth dimension being the spiritual dimension. Well, do you know Satan he operates in that dimension also? Remember the story when Moses uh, was leading the children of Egypt out uh, and, and, and Moses, God told him, he said, you know, go and do all these works. And, and, and Pharaoh had his magicians come and do some of that too. Until the ultimate work where he threw down his stick, it became a snake. And they, they also threw down their sticks and it came snakes, but his swallowed all theirs up. Now there's a whole prophetic picture there and I don't have time to develop that today. But believe me, they're looking for the ultimate gift which you and I carry around. Which you and I carry around. Let's look at right here. Go back over to 1 Corinthians. And you're going to look at uh, chapter 14 again. And we're going to look at verse 12. 
Now, remember I said we, we, we're, we're supposed to show the Holy Spirit to the world, but you know it's for the church also. Um, first of all, people are like, well, don't just seek after the gifts. Well, the purpose for seeking after the gifts is the important thing. It's not, it's not that you shouldn't seek after the gifts. It says, even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for what? The edification of the church that you seek to excel. So I'm not supposed to just bring the, bring the works out there. I'm supposed to bring it to the church because it edifies the church. Edify means to build up, to strengthen and to build up. But I think that it also means it builds up the church. In other words, we add to our church when they come in here and they say, hey, you go down to that place and I'm telling you God is there. And listen, if we're doing the miracles of God, we don't have to worry about, no, we don't need a radio station. We ain't got to get on television. All you got to do is get a few people out of their wheelchairs. You get a few blind eyes open. You get a few deaf ears open. And let me tell you something, you wouldn't be able to beat them out of here. Our churches would be full if we actually followed the commission that we were given. But it won't happen unless you desire it. It will not fall on you. It will not fall on you. You have to desire it. You have to desire it with burning passion. Amen? Okay. Now, how do you begin? How do you begin? Well, the first thing is, is what we've just been talking about. Hunger. Hunger. Right? Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for what they shall be filled. God didn't tell you to desire this and hunger after it unless he desired to fulfill it in you. He, he, he's telling you that for a reason because he wants to give it to you, but you've got to pursue it. You've got to pursue it. Amen? Now, what do I do? You know, how do I build hunger? Well, listen, I desire things that I see, I hear, things that go in my eye gates and in my ear gates. Listen, TVs are well, you don't, you know, uh, let's just think about this, Burger King. You're sitting on your couch. You just ate about an hour ago, right? You're not really hungry. But all of a sudden, you hear that familiar jingle, have it your way, have it your way, have it your way. And on the TV, you see this beautiful looking hamburger. And it's got bacon and cheese, and it looks delicious. And there's a French fry there. And, and suddenly your eyes see that, and, and, and you have a memory. And your taste buds go, oh, yeah, I know what that flame-broiled hamburger tastes like. That's good. And then it gets into my imagination, you know, and I'm like, oh, it would be nice to have a big, fat, juicy hamburger, right? What happened? Well, see, see people are, are well aware. That these companies are well aware that you'll, you'll desire what it is you see and hear about. So if you're lacking desire in the things of God, can I encourage you? Get yourself some books. Get in there and listen to the YouTubes. Read the books about the miracles. Go and read about the generals and the people who did this. You know, people like Catherine Kuhlman, Maria Woodworth Edder, John G. Lake, more recently, more recently, uh, 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 what about uh, um, Rodney Howard Brown? Amen? Amen. 
Benny Hinn, go and immerse yourself in it because what you give, what you put into your eye gates and what you put into your ear gates, your heart will start to desire. And I'm pretty sure if you think about this, even in, in natural things, guys, if you like, if you like hunting, all right, and so you, you, you start looking at guns because, you know, a friend says, oh, I got this gun. It's amazing. It can do this, that, and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. And you go, well, I'm kind of interested in that. And so you get on the Internet. And now you're just kind of interested, and you just want to find out about it, right? Then you get on the Internet, and you see the pictures, and you read, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, wow, that sounds great. That's awesome. And then you think, well, I'm just going to find out if anybody has that gun, any retailer around here. And so you start, you start what? Pursuing it. You start calling around because now you're just thinking about it. You're just thinking about it. You just saw it a few times. You read about it. You're thinking about it, though. You're thinking about it. And so you call the retailer and you say, hey, I'm just wondering if you have such and such a gun in stock. And they say, oh, yes, we do. We carry that. Now, we only have a few, uh, but we, we, we carry that. And you say, oh, wow, they only have a few. Maybe I should just go down and look at it. You know, I just want to go down and, and see it in person. And so you go down to the, to the store and you say, hey, I'm here to see that gun. You know, I just want to. And then you get it out and you touch it and you feel it. Now you got it up close and personal and you're like, yeah, this is nice. And you put it up there and you think, you're like, yeah, yeah, I could go hunting with this gun. This is awesome. And then you look at the price and they say, hey, hey, you know, um, this is a pretty good deal. Uh, you know, compared to so-and-so down there, they're selling this gun for such and such. Um, we're, we're selling it for this much under. Now what has happened? Oh, this thing has gotten into your heart and you're walking out the door with it. <laughs> Amen. It all started out of a, just a curiosity. It was just a curiosity. You were just going to get online and just see. Amen. Well, listen to me. The things of God are the same way. You have to have a curiosity. And you have to start imagining. The fourth dimension. You have to start interacting with that. And the first way you do it is here. You have to have hunger and you have to be able to see in your mind yourself doing the works of Jesus. You have to become Jesus in the stories. Pastor talks about that all the time. Remember we talked about the Tower of Babel. And when God uh, came down, he said, now nothing that they have imagined to do will be impossible for them. Everything we do starts in our thoughts. But the problem is that so many Christians, they don't know that the Bible says they're supposed to do it. And they're pretty sure they can't. And they don't even imagine that they could. And therefore, they sit back and wait for everybody else to do it. Sad, but true. Now, the next thing is, we have Jude 1.20. It says, but you, beloved, build yourself up. One of the ways I fire myself up and get myself enthusiastic according to the word is by praying in the Holy Ghost. He's the author of these gifts. He's the author of all of this. And it says that I am to pray and build myself up. Now, I find it interesting that when, when God gave the Holy Ghost to the believers, the first believers in the upper room, it says there was a sound as of a, a, a rushing mighty wind. And then the Holy Ghost appeared above them as tongues of fire. Now, what happens when you mix wind and fire? Oh, it spreads. We have, a, we have a saying, it spreads like wildfire. Listen, oxygen, oxygen feeds fire. 
And so what am I trying to tell you? You're not stirred up, start praying in the Holy Ghost. You find yourself lacking and dragging. Listen, there are days that we all get up and, you're, and you know that the Holy Ghost is with you, but you don't have a single feeling. There is no feeling with it all the time. You got to step out in your faith. You got to pray in the Holy Ghost. You know, um, uh, I, I was reading this book by Kate McVeigh, and she was talking about how that she she was uh, she had gone on a trip. She's a speaker. It was a book we had out there. Excuse me. And during that trip, it was like an 11-hour or 15-hour, I forget how many hour drive. But at that time, she had, you know, a tape player, and her tape player broke. And she was listening to tapes as she was going to this place to speak. And so when she was coming home, she knew she had that 11-hour drive in front of her, and she didn't have any, uh, you know, tape or or radio capabilities. And she said, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost the whole way home. And she said she got in her car, and she's like, yeah, I can do this. And so she starts praying in the Holy Ghost, and what felt like at least an hour to her, she looked, and it had been about 10 minutes. And she said, oh, man, this is going to be a long drive home. But she had made a commitment that she was going to do this. And so she, she, she did it. She prayed in the Holy Ghost the whole way home. And she pulls up in her driveway 11 or 15 hours or however many hours it was, And she said the first thing that happened was a little voice came into her head and says, well, do you feel edified? And she spoke out loud and she said, I don't feel anything but exhausted and tired. But the Bible says that I built myself up and so I'm taking my edified self in the house and I'm going to bed. So she gets out of her car and she said, I felt nothing. I had prayed the Holy Ghost. I had no feeling. I was tired and my mouth was dry. And my throat hurt and I wanted to go to bed. And she unlocked her door. And for the first time in her life, she had a vision. And there was an angel standing in her foyer that that was bigger out through the roof. And he downloaded a whole bunch of stuff to her. And she said, and from that point onward, her ministry was changed forever. Because she spent that time praying in the Holy Ghost. I find it interesting that the very first gift that was given and given freely to every believer at the point of receiving the Holy Ghost was speaking in tongues. It is also the one gift that there has been so much controversy and so much uh, the devil has fought it with everything that he's got. Why? Because it is the doorway into all the other gifts. Now, you can research that for yourself. Like I said earlier, go back and read the stories of Maria Woodworth Etter and, and John G. Lake and, 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 and Smith Wigglesworth and C- Catherine Kuhlman. Uh, you go read it and you find out what were they doing. Oral Roberts. There you go. Oral Roberts. He's a, he's a recent one. People that you know. Joyce Meyer. Go find out what they're doing. How are they moving in this? It all starts with praying in the Holy Ghost. So if you find yourself lacking desire, you need to stir yourself up. But you're going to need to pray in the Holy Ghost. It's the doorway to all the other gifts. And he gave that one to you instantly. Instantly. Amen? All right. What's something else that we, we, we need to do? Let's look at Acts. Well... Always with praying, and I know this one's not popular, but you see it over and over, over and over, fasting and praying. Fasting and praying. Let me give you some examples. 
Acts 10, 9 through 11, it says, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. He was on the housetop fasting and praying, and he fell into a trance, and we know that he had a vision in that trance about taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Amen? And so he was fasting and praying. Let me give you another example. Paul, in Acts twenty two seventeen, Paul was praying in the temple, and it says, and he was in a trance. He had a vision. Now listen, they had been baptized in the Holy Ghost already. I'm pretty sure they were praying yeah. in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I could go through the Bible and give you example after example. And the church, and they were praying. They were fasting and they were praying. And this happened. They were fasting and they were praying. And this miracle happened. They were fasting and they were praying. And they had that vision. They were fasting and they were praying. And God revealed himself. They were fasting and they were praying. And God showed up. I can show it to you over and over and over. Time doesn't permit. I'm already over time. So. Why? Why fasting? Because when you fast, you put your body in subjection and you allow your spirit to have ascendancy. And you get your soul and your spirit in alignment with each other and the two of them outweigh your flesh. Amen? Amen? And so I can't give you all the reasons why fasting, but that is the one that I do know. All I know is that even other religions, even religions that are not of God, understand the power of fasting and, and do use it in order to enter into spiritual realms. We don't like that one. <laughs> we don't like that one. Christians hate that one. But that, that's in your Bible. The next thing is worship. Psalm 22, 3 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. Now, we're talking about how can we get into, how can we enter into and set ourselves up to move in to the miraculous, okay? And worship is key. Worship is key. Listen, some of the most powerful miracles and moves of God have happened in the presence of powerful worship. Powerful worship. No worship... Not much power, right? And the next thing, of course, is communion with the Holy Spirit. Remember we talked about that? We talked about that the, the early church believers, they seemed to know the Holy Spirit well enough that they knew what seemed good to him, even if they didn't have a direct word. Communion with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he didn't do anything in the earth that he did not see or hear the Father doing. And then he gave you the Holy Spirit, and you are not supposed to do anything in the earth that you don't see and hear. Remember, the Spirit will take what belongs to Jesus, and he will show it to you. So now the Holy Spirit is to lead you and show you what Jesus is saying and doing in any given situation. Okay, And so if you want to be successful and you want to move in the things of God, you have to learn how to commune with the Holy Spirit. And the next thing, the next thing, and this is just straightforward and simple, but you have to say it. you got to step out. you got to step out in faith. Faith without works is what? Dead. Listen, he told me that I'm to lay my hands on the sick. Well, what happens, Teresa, if I lay my hands on her and she doesn't get healed? Well, what if you lay your hands on her and she does get healed? Amen. Listen, you know why you're afraid? Because you're looking at you. You're forgetting that you're carrying the Holy Ghost. It's not about you. It's not you that will perform the, the, the miracle. Remember over, uh, you know, I think it was Peter and uh, uh, 
I forget who, but anyway, where they had gone and they were preaching Jesus and then the scribes and the Pharisees, they all got together, the council, and they threatened them and they beaten them and they said, you will no longer speak in, in that name in this city. And then they got together and they worshiped God and they said, oh God, oh God, grant to us that with all boldness we would speak and preach the gospel. And then he said, and that you, God, would stretch out your hand to perform miracles and signs and wonders as we preach the gospel, which is also a key to moving, preaching the gospel. We saw there over and over that Jesus preached and teached, and then he moved. He preached, he teached, and he moved. Now, wait a minute. They prayed, God, that you would stretch out your hand. I thought that we did it. Well, then you skip over a couple of chapters, and you see that they're over in the temple, and the lame man comes up to him, and he says he's begging for alms, and they look upon him, and they said, silver and gold I have none of, but that which I have... I give thee. Now wait, he was just praying, God, I pray that you will stretch out your hand. Then he said, such as I have. Yes, both are correct, such as he has. God, the Holy Spirit within him. God, the Holy Spirit with his skin on. So God, as I go out and I lay my hand, I pray that you do signs and wonders and miracles. That's the call for every Christian. That's the call for every believer. Every believer, listen to me. The glory is costly, and it's not to be taken lightly. But listen to me now. A powerless church is far more costly in the terms of human suffering and lost souls. Far more costly to be a powerless church. Amen? And so I hope that today that you go out of here just a little bit challenged to think about this and to want to move in it. Amen? We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.